coming at you from the EBITDA Growth System Studios, looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. My name is Dave Gapkiewicz, and I'm with Mike Watkins, and we want to welcome you to the Making Business Profitable podcast. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double your profits within three years or give you your money back. Hey, Dave. Good day, Mike. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Just finished a finished a book about the the heart of business, and I'm I'm really really digging that book as far as really just taking it and applying things. And uh, how how are you doing? Well, I'm looking forward to reading that. You gave it to me, John Cotter. I think he's one of the foremost thought leaders in, in, in management development. So uh, coming out of Harvard, I love this stuff. So. Looking forward to seeing that. One thing, one thing I really liked about the way he wrote is it's very, uh, it's fast, it's to the point. I mean, so I was able to sit down in about a day and a half and read that book, just in, in some spare time and, and just pound through it. The first book read this year, yeah. Um, but I liked his style. And you're reading the book too. Hey man, I had the same experience with Phil Knight's book called Shoe Dog. It was a quick read. About Nike? Yeah, it's about a 400 page book, but um, it just. It was amazing, um, fast-paced, uh, great storytelling, and I mean, it was the history of Nike or the start of Nike, but the the storytelling and the and the um, the speed and the and the word usage. It's uh, as an English major, there's a genre of novels called tough guy novels, and uh, tough guy novels. Yeah, that's that totally fits you. Well, you know, the tough guy novelists are guys like Ernest Hemingway and Scott Fitzgerald. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, uh, Phil Knight, man, is a tough guy novelist. I mean, Shoe Dog. It's fast-moving, hard-hitting. Um, just, it's just a really good book. But uh, what struck me about um, Phil Knight's story was his commitment from the beginning to the Nike culture. I mean, just a, a, a no holds barred. You were on board or you were out. And that was for his vendors, that was for his suppliers, that was for his employees, his, I mean, investors. You were, you were all in or you were out. It was fantastic. And I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that today in, our, in this podcast, because uh, culture is a big deal, I think. I think many companies don't understand how big of a deal it is. Yes, culture to be or not to be corporate, right? Yeah, that's, that's the question. You know, it, do you want a corporate culture or do you want an anti-corporate culture type deal? Yeah, it's kind of funny. You talk to the you talk to the small guy um, or the smaller company. They they look to the corporate like they got their stuff together. Man, I, I kind of want to move that direction. You talk to the people who've been in corporate for a while, they're like, man, corporate's the big bad beast. I, I want to be non-corporate. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It, is, it is funny, but the small business owner wants to be corporate, but they don't act like it. They act like non-corporate. And when I say non-corporate, I mean corporations do the strategic planning. Corporations have plans. And, uh, and they're highly organized. Highly organized because 
when we approach a small business and we tell them they need a financial plan, a sales plan, a marketing plan, an operations plan, and a management plan, they look at us like we have six heads. But in a corporation, there's somebody responsible for each one of those plans. Yeah, and uh, you know, I read a book a couple years ago, Death by Meetings. Yeah. You know, and uh, when you get in that corporate cultures, sometimes, not all of them, because some corporations really do it right, but some corporations, larger corp, when I talk corporations, we're talking about people with hundreds of people, hundreds of employees, if not thousands of employees. Yes. They have meetings about meetings about meetings. And I was listening to uh, Elon Musk last week and he said, you know, there's too many MBAs in the industry now because he believes that MBAs think that all the business is done in a boardroom. And he thinks we need to close the boardrooms more, close the conference rooms more and get out and be more all about production and making things and advancing the business and have meetings that are really that matter instead of just meetings. Yeah, I don't think Elon Musk has an MBA, so that's why he says that. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Something about Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I think he's doing a lot of things pretty wrong. Yeah, yeah. He, he is missing the boat. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> electric cars. He's probably right on that. But here's the deal. I mean, when you have an organization that has death by meetings, that's a that's a sure indicator that people are afraid to make decisions. And so you have a meeting trying to get everyone on the same sheet of music so that no one's going to take the hit when this thing fails. When you have an organization that has very few meetings, it's because I'm head of marketing and I'm going to make marketing decisions. And if they're good decisions, I live with them. If they're bad decisions, I live with them. Yeah, it's, it really boils down to that culture. And uh, the danger of a larger corporation is to have a culture of anger or fear. And usually those are the two things you really want to steer yourself away from as far as anger and fear. Because when you're fearful, you won't make a decision, you won't raise your hand. And when you're angry, you kind of fly off the handle or either you ball up and you don't do anything or you kind of blow up at people. Neither one is constructive to culture. They're very detrimental to culture. Yes, yeah, so well, the fact of the matter is uh, fear is the primary emotion and anger is the secondary emotion. That's so right. Anytime someone's angry, they're actually fearful. Yep. And anger is the response. So I'm, I'm agree with you there. And so, you know, for the small, the medium-sized company, um, they don't have that many meetings. Um, you know, they're kind of a, I like to define them almost as a free culture. Kind of everybody comes and goes and does and, and it's a, and it, it's kind of free in, in the fact that it can change very fast because there's so few people. Sure, sure. And that's the advantage. The disadvantage is, as you said so many times, that's the quickest way to do five years. Not five years, but one year, five times. That's right. That's right. The pros of a smaller company are definitely the free culture can be a pro. They're fast. They're nimble. You know, and they're usually the smaller companies are very relationship based. The bigger companies that are relationship based and fast and nimble, they just keep getting bigger and bigger sure, and bigger, sure, right? Sure. So there are pros to both. Yeah, there's pros to both and cons to both. But I think where we're coming from is if you're a small, medium sized business, there's some corporate stuff that you do need to uh, incorporate into how you do business. Um, but the stuff you need to incorporate. Uh, isn't the um, death by meetings. The stuff that you need to incorporate is not the anger and or the fear. 
the stuff you need to incorporate or the things that keep you moving in a direction, taking down goals and objectives, growing, particularly your profits. I mean, those are the types of things that you want to take from corporations. That's right. And then you want to retain your free spirit. You want to retain your, uh, your being light on your feet and being responsive. So how do you, and, and, I, and this question might morph over the, over the next few weeks as, uh, as we kind of swap books here, but um, how do you grow a culture from kind of a free, fast and loose, not organized, to something that's fast and nimble, but very organized with a plan and a strategy. How do you, how do you, do, I have my opinion on that, but uh, how would you do that? Well, I, you know, from my vantage point, it's having the plan written down. Because, you know, if, if I don't write it down, you can't hold me accountable to it. And, uh, and so. All I, you business owners, uh, when you're talking to an employee, you're giving somebody instructions, listen to that. If it's not written down, nobody's accountable. Because sometimes when you're communicating to somebody, if it's all just words and nothing's written down, it didn't really happen. You can't guarantee that they got what you said. So make sure, just a quick, I want to hone in on that. If it's not written down, it didn't really happen. So make sure that we really focus on that when it comes to planning. Yeah, Dave, and, and an extension of that is the, the military. If it's something really important, it's, it's written down. And the reason why is communication is crappy everywhere. It's crappy everywhere. Wherever there's two humans interacting, communication is bad. And the, uh, so the military knows that. And so in order to be very clear, as clear as possible, you write it down. Because mm -hmm. it's life and death with them. Totally, totally. And it's life and death when it's your small business, too. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the big difference uh, between... Uh, a corporation and a small and medium-sized business is the, the willingness to commit to paper. Yeah, but to make that culture, one one of the things that uh, that I've learned is strategy. You have strategy and culture, and people talk strategy and culture all the time, but everybody needs to understand you don't start out of the gate with strategy and culture. You start out of the gate with a plan, like you said, right? And then you start executing little bits and pieces of that plan. And those little wins, those little things that you, little stones that you move, create your culture. The execution of task A, B, C, and getting your company there. And then kind of looking at how that's working and saying, ah, this is my strategy. I'm going to go ahead and build this. And then you execute on that strategy for a while. And everybody winning and everybody executing and everybody following that strategy, all of a sudden, voila you start having a culture. No doubt about it. And you know this when you call up. I don't I don't care if it's a HVAC company or if it's a managed service provider for IT. It doesn't matter. Um, I say that culture is the experience that your client has with your value proposition. When I call a potential vendor and I get a can-do attitude on the phone, that's a can-do culture. And they, and they have grown that culture just as you described. It's small wins, small wins, small wins to the point where all we do is win, man. We're, if, you, if you've got a problem, we're problem solvers. We win. That's right. And, and those winners, they focus on win-win situations, not win-lose situations. Tell me, so, tell me. so you have to create, as in your culture, as you're executing and getting this stuff done, you create a win that's not just a win for you, the boss, 
but it's a win for the employee too. It's a win for the employee and it's a win for the customer. And sometimes there's a little give and take, but the win-win creates a perpetual winning. It's so much. It's, it's contagious. So true. It's so true. It's so true. And uh, so not only do these small and medium-sized businesses not develop this culture of winning, um, because that's, that's very purposeful, right? They, right, right. You know, you've got to be very purposeful about developing a culture of winning. Um, but the other piece of embedding that culture is celebrating the wins. That's right. And recognizing people for the work that they do. Yeah, I did notice that a lot in uh, the companies that are doing really well today, and we associate with all kinds of companies across uh, across the board, uh, large and small. The ones that are winning are the ones that celebrate. Um, oftentimes in business, um, you want to be critical because you have to be a critic to find the problem, to fix the problem, right? But when all you ever do is find problems and you're the guy that says, I got 101 problems um, and I'm going to go fix them all. What about the 101 good things? Yeah. What about yeah. the 101 accomplishments? What, what about recognizing uh, Sally that has been killing it for years in her department? And, and and hey, you know what? This Friday, I'm going to have a birthday cake because it's Sally's birthday and I want to really celebrate her yeah. and do something special, right? And build on her. Everyone knows her. Everyone knows she's, she's She gets it done. And if you do a good job, then you're right. Everybody yeah. knows you. And everybody wants to. Those people typically get overloaded because everybody says that they get it done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, to be or not to be, to be corporate in your culture or not to be corporate in your culture, um, I think it's a blend. I mean, I think you need to be corporate in terms of your approach to business. Mm-hmm. But um, hey, let's change that. Let's change it. Let's not be because if you registered your business with the state, you're probably corporate. But it's uh, your corporation. But you need to be a good business person. You need to be structured. You you want the structure that a large, well-known company has. And you want the speed and the uh, enjoyment of a small atmosphere. Yeah, yeah when I say culture, I'm going to put in air quotes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, corporate, corporate is a tie and, you know, whatever. We, you know, we, when we say corporate, everyone gets a, a vision in their head of what that looks like. So, you know, we're saying, yeah, be, be purposeful, be, be uh, planned. And, and you know, execute plans. That's what corporations do, but uh, don't do it um, at the risk of not giving people space to make mistakes and to innovate. And to, in fact, I mean, the reason why small businesses are so successful is because they do take the risk. They're able to take a risk and innovate. And large companies, they get so large that they can't take the risk. Or to take a risk, it takes so long sure. and so many meetings and so many phone calls that it's it's amazing to see some of these larger companies and they spend, I mean, a typical VP might spend 80% of his time on the phone. Yeah, it's amazing. And, that's, and, and never, ever talk to anybody that's actually running production. Yeah, not talking to the client, but talking to someone who's talking to the client. Right. Yeah. It's so far from the client. That's what we do, man. That's what we do. We, we love to come alongside you and your company and pull the best out of both worlds to help you take your company and your culture and what you want your living, breathing company to be and make sure it's healthy 
and drive it into the future so you can be highly successful and everybody really enjoy doing what you do. Right on, man. Right on, Mike. systems do what we do because we want to impact lives through improving business performance if you want more information go to our contact page at www.ebitagrowsystems.com that's e-b-i-t-d-a growthsystems.com